0: I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin today's show by dunking on woke media corporations, starting with CNN+, which was officially moved to the hospice ward of the Media Mental Hospital. We knew it was a bad idea, but it turned out to be one of the worst ideas in the history of modern media. Sad to see it go. Actually, not really. Florida advanced the bill that would remove special privileges for Disney, which is excellent, And MSNBC is encouraging you to hand out masks to strangers and badger them into wearing them. Yes, really. Speaking of masks, they're already coming back in parts of America, not the parts where you would want to hang out, but parts of America nonetheless, and we give you the details. Barack Obama has literally called for more censorship online and appears to be basing it on his special hatred of Breitbart and our social media prowess. And Elon Musk actually did something that suggests maybe Just maybe he's serious about buying Twitter after all. We remain skeptical, but slightly more open minded than yesterday. Plus, more headlines in the opening. Our guest today is MMA legend and UFC Hall of Famer Tito Ortiz. If you follow professional fighting, you know Tito. He's a true larger than life figure. And someone who engages regularly with Breitbart's content on our popular Instagram page, and we love to see it. And he explains why his most important fights these days are not in the octagon, but in the public arena of ideas. Pretty cool. Plus, we've got a call of the day. Start with where you think I'm going to start, with some heavy gloating, and I will allow for CNN's Brian Stelter to deliver the news. Let's play Cut 9, please. CNN is an icon of the cable and satellite age, but now cable is competing with streaming, and there isn't a streaming subscription service for TV news in the United States. So if you were creating a news product from scratch in 2022, how would you build it? That's one of the questions, one of the starting points for CNN+. This new streaming video service is launching on Tuesday. It's a big deal in the media business because it's the biggest bet any company has made in the news streaming world. CNN's hired hundreds of people and created dozens of new shows for the service. The only problem is, and that message was delivered a mere three and a half weeks ago, CNN Plus is already dead. It is over. And I I will say I said this on the show and... You know, sometimes when you have a show like this, you have to give opinions and you have to say some things, and uh, every once in a while, you totally airball one, and every once in a while, you hit one right on the money, and every once in a while, in retrospect, you can't believe how much you got something right. I refer to CNN Plus as the most tone-deaf move I've ever seen in American media. The idea that there would be a streaming service, additional CNN, that you would pay for only individually just cnn not in some sort of a bundle not when you're getting other streaming services not when you're getting other you know at&t time warner products you're only getting cnn and extra cnn beyond the cnn you're already probably paying for i said that will be something that will appeal to no one and apparently i was right because warner brothers discovery which is now i guess what the new company is called will reportedly shut down cnn plus third 23 total days after announcing the streaming service. How delicious is that? Uh, so April 30th will be the last day. And they have fewer than 10,000 daily views, which is unfathomably small. Uh, and it is one that is being described by some as the greatest failure in the history of American media because I think they had already earmarked hundreds of millions of dollars for it, and I think a lot of that was already spent. I would be shocked if they haven't already sunk nine figures or many nine figures plus into this, and it's going to go away. So it's interesting to me because when Jeff Zucker, who was the person who conceptualized the idea of CNN+, plus, uh, when he got ousted, this was his baby. That's why he wooed the great Chris Wallace away from Fox News, specifically to start a show on CNN Plus, make him be one of the uh, one of the cornerstones of the new streaming network. Uh, not to mention that there would be additional content from can't miss personalities like Jake Tapper, Don Lamone, and Anderson Cooper. Ooh, that sounds good, but it was about establishing relationships. With the new with closer relationships with the news consumer was how it was built. What ended up happening is it was more this the same stuff, just a watered down version of the stuff that people were barely watching anyway, when they were paying when they were paying for it in a bundled cable package. So anyway, the point is, is that Jeff Zucker came up with this idea. It was always a terrible idea. And then they went along and they tried to launch it anyway. They didn't pull back and reevaluate and say, well, Jeff Zucker, who has been ousted for, uh, you know, illicit affairs with a staffer and covering it up. Um, and not to mention, he would presided over so many recent scandals, such as the way the uh, Cuomo stuff went down with Chris Cuomo, who is suing the network for a lot of money now, tens of billions of dollars. Even though he was fired for colluding with his brother to try to advise his brother's Democrat governor who got ousted. So all this stuff was happening under Zucker's watch, and they just went ahead and just just launched this stupid thing. And then go back to the drawing board and say, well, let's take a look at the talent here. Let's take a look at the personalities. Let's take a look at the shows, and let's see if there's anything interesting that's going on. Is there anything that might draw people in to pay for additional CNN content? Are there any individuals, any shows? Can any of you name a show that's on CNN Plus? You can't even name one. Did they bring in someone like an Anthony Bourdain, who was the kind of a, a globe-trotting chef that uh, Jeff Zucker actually at one point, when he was thinking sharply, put on TV on the weekends to have some interesting shows? They didn't do anything like that. Just put more, more Tapper and Don Limone and other uh, generic sl- uh, um, news people you haven't heard of, who are part of the CNN uh, uh, bogus brand of left-wing talking points and fake news. So anyway, I have a pretty delightful news, and not one I was excited, I, I'm sorry, not one I'm surprised by in the slightest, but it's amazing to see it fail so quickly, and I'm curious if Discovery, the new brand, which is run by this guy named David Zaslov, uh, he who has apparently been pretty upset with the project, uh, whether or not he's going to uh, start reimagining what cnn actually looks like in general which would be good for the country because cnn is a is a toxic america is a worse place because cnn is in it and that's not hasn't always been the case it's just true though and they don't roll any heads like whatever happened to why, why is it brian stelter still on the air I had no business being on the air to begin with when they put him on, whatever it was, close to 10 years ago. And his main function was to be the mouthpiece of Jeff Zucker, and Jeff Zucker's gone. So why do you have that guy being in charge of your media coverage? It's utterly illogical unless you want specifically for people to not tune in. So that is very fun. Very fun. I wonder what Chris Wallace is going to do. What do you think he's going to do next? People love to hate him, and that is something that does rate so I will. Uh, I'll. I'll be keeping an eye on some of the CNN personalities. See what happens next. I bet they've got. You know, the sky's the limit for people like Wallace, though. Really is. Yes. He can just do whatever he wants. More good slash good bad news coming up on Disney. But I do want to highlight before I move on from CNN that Stelter, I was. I tried to figure out what he was up to. What the mouthpiece of Jeff Zucker, even though Jeff Zucker is not the earth, been talking about this week. And he was arguing on behalf of that Washington Post story on the libs of TikTok Twitter account saying it's good to attack them because the, quote, don't say gay law is life and death. It's a life and death issue. That's is what he said. Remember, the bill had nothing to do with saying gay. And I, I recommend all of you check out yesterday's broadcast either via podcast from the SXM app where we spoke to two state representative or one state representative, one state senator. In Florida, about what the bill's all about in the move that they made against Disney, but uh, stelter is uh, the argument on behalf of you know the media uh, writing vicious hit pieces on people who are otherwise not public people uh, because if you don't do it, quoting liberals on Twitter—that's all the liberal TikTok account does—just quote them verbatim will get people killed that sound reasonable to you that's like the person who should be the face of media coverage for a publicly facing brand like discovery Uh, that putting those types of people in charge of important areas of your news business is exactly what gets you low ratings and wastes you hundreds of millions of dollars in creating a new streaming network um so i will mention What's going on over Disney is another one which is kind of deliciously awful if you're rooting against Disney, as I am for the time being. I mean, long term, I would love for Disney to get their act together. But as so long as they're going to operate as a political entity that is at a minimum being apologists for people who groom children for uh, sexual indoctrination and try to exploit children sexually, which is what Disney is, is up to these days by trying to fight back against a bill that makes it so that you're not allowed to speak about sexual matters with children eight year five to eight years old without their parents knowledge of it which is sick stuff and disney's strident defense of those left-wing radicals who want that bill to fail which passed anyway uh, has gotten them in hot water, where they have lost this, this protected status that they had, where they had an ability to govern themselves and to provide all sorts of different tax breaks within Florida. Uh, a bill that has was put in place, I think, something like sixty years ago. So, anyway, that was that's no longer going to be renewed, and we talked in great detail about this yesterday. And Florida did pass this bill in the House, which is bringing a step closer to it coming to fruition, which it will. That will end their special tax jurisdiction. So it'll be sent to Governor DeSantis to sign. Of course, he'll sign it. So it is ending their dissolving their private government. So this is another win for Ron DeSantis. Is, he racks those up one after the next after the next. Uh, but looking at the stock for Disney is that it is truly unbelievably bad. And um, I want to give you I want to give you the exact numbers because I pulled this up okay so i'm looking at so disney is down uh, disney is down over the last five days eight and a half percent over the last month 13 percent over the last six months 28 percent. and over the last year they're down a third so whatever your disney stock was if you're a disney stockholder um they hit a peak just over a year ago march of last year of 197 dollars a share and they're down 121 dollars a share And what's remarkable about this is I feel like the Disney Plus has gone much more mainstream during that time. So it's not as though Disney has not had some victories during that time. And they do have something that Netflix doesn't. And, you know, Netflix's stock has tanked as well. um, Is that Disney's got all these pieces of intellectual property in their catalog that that you would think some people want to subscribe to even if they hate Disney, namely Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, classic Disney movies. So that's Disney plus. And then not to mention that they've got uh, the, the theme parks which are seem to be incredibly crowded still, even and now coronavirus winding down. You think people are going back to those. Still stock plummeting. Pretty amazing. This is one of the most ultimate examples of getting woke uh, and then going broke. So we're closing in on erasing all their gains over the last five years. So we're very close to that. could hit that today, conceivably. So to where it was five years ago. Pretty wild. It is now below where it was in um, three years ago. So that's pretty disappointing. You can imagine that erasing three years of gains, the, the Disney stockholders are probably none too happy. And it's all because of the weak leadership of Bob Chepik, who is one of these... Guys who is a generic looking, cis, hetero, boomer, white male who just got rolled by millennials within his company. The wokesters. The people get worked up on Twitter and get their viewpoints from uh, places like MSNBC. Speaking of MSNBC, an MSNBC doctor says carry masks with you. Extra masks and badger others to wear them. A doctor named Dr. Patel was saying you need to carry extra masks on planes and try to force your neighbors to wear one. Nice, right? Not enough for you just to wear a N95 mask on your own, but just say, please do me a favor and put on this mask. It is not something I would recommend. I do not recommend doing that. I'll make sure to ask Tito Ortiz, who's a big anti-mask guy, uh, how that would go with him. You know, six foot four, uh, the, uh, the light, heavy, light heavyweight champion of the world. Whatever he is. whatever his height is. It's about right. I would not ask him to put on a mask. And again, as I tracked yesterday, which is something that's pretty interesting, is that the left is, I think, wanting to use the mask as a wedge issue politically. I think they're into it. So be prepared for this fight, that the left does think that they're going to actually score political points with mask mandates. LA County is going to order the return of mass on public transit, ride share, and an LAX despite federal rules. So I've been noting this over the last couple of days they join O'Hare Airport. um, They join um, New York, New Jersey Port Authority. uh, Other places popping up that are going to continue the mass despite the federal law saying there aren't mass allowed. Dr. Fauci says he's concerned about courts getting involved in health decisions and saying transit mask issues shouldn't be a court issue. So your freedom, your freedom to have a bare face is not something that the courts have a role in. That is purely for people like Dr. Fauci, unelected bureaucrats, to determine uh, what you are allowed to do with your own face, regardless of the science. Uh, It just creates this tension that is in... Uh, the, the country that is just palpable right now and you're just going to see so much so many more people we're going to get so much more divided so many more people who like would like to live a sane life going to same places like florida uh, it would be nice if we were not just so subdivided but that's where we're going i don't th- i don't think there's any way to stop it right now trains leaving the station la put the mask back on unbelievable Speaking of planes, Mike Tyson beat up a man who was harassing him on a plane. Apparently, uh, it, it repeatedly punching a man in the face after a guy apparently annoyed him. Pretty fascinating stuff. It, it, it's it's you gotta have a lot of self control for type of person who's gonna is inclined to fight people, and and you're out in public because you know there's always camera rolling. And uh, TMZ got a hold of footage of Tyson basically wheeling around beating guy up and he just uh, the I, I will say that the champ is in rare form i mean i think he's ready to go i think he's ready to go for a, a big fight if anyone saw the footage but is there is there a hoaxy element to it or is it real i think it looks real but there's definitely footage of tyson wheeling around after guys harassing him on a plane and beat them up i'm um, back to disney for a second disney is also has a new crisis where they've got a inappropriate behavior complaint against bill murray on a movie set so it caused a production suspension due to complainants against Bill Murray. This is when we're being a, a comedian. Um, you could see how you could confuse people. It, I would not want to be a comedian right now, professional comedian, because you never know when you're going to get canceled for a joke. Um, but the a film called Being Mortal, uh, it was suspended because Bill Murray was being inappropriate, Allegedly. The complaint was filed last week and production was halted Monday. We'll keep you posted at com. if there's anything interesting there for you guys. But that is whatever inappropriate behavior is by a 71-year-old actor. Aziz Ansari as director. You guys might remember, Aziz Ansari was one of the guys who got canceled for the silliest reasons during the cancel panic, where he basically got canceled for having a bad date and a lady wrote a wrote a blog post about it. That would say he seems like a great guy and he's certainly not funny, but he uh, had a bad date with someone. I guess made a pass during the date where well, it was not well-received and um, she blogged about it and then he got canceled for a while. So, but he's back making movies and the movie's getting shut down because Bill Murray is allegedly being inappropriate. But who knows what it is now? Is a there Are people credible to you? And Is Me Too now credible? I don't think it is anymore. I think people are inclined to give people the benefit of the doubt these days. Barack Obama has called for more censorship saying the First Amendment does not apply to Facebook and Twitter so what's interesting here is that the twitter crowd gets it the people who are running twitter see their role as being police of speech and i think when the people who run twitter wake up in the morning that they do see themselves as their modus operandi is that they are going to control speech control narrative control the conversation as best they can and they don't see themselves as a free speech platform. They see themselves as a platform for ideas, particularly left-wing, angry ideas from millennials to incubate and to then start conversations. That's kind of what they see their, their main role as. And But Facebook, I do think, as I've noted time and again, even though Zuckerberg has been um, very helpful to the Democrats on the left in the last few years, really since Trump got elected. Uh, overall, I do think Facebook, they do want to have the biggest business they can. And they have an aging user base. So I think that's a concern for them. So I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg wakes up and thinks about censorship. He I think he thinks about what makes the business biggest. And over Twitter, they've definitely made the calculation that the way they think they're going to create value is by with more censorship. Uh, but Obama throwing it out there that the First Amendment doesn't apply to them. And this is a dangerous idea, in my opinion, because when the majority of conversation nationally is taking place in these social media platforms, it appears yeah, I'm, I'm winging it with the majority opinion, but it seems like that's what it is. Uh, the, to say that the first amendment doesn't apply, I think is maybe literally true, but it's a concerning concept to talk about. <laughs> so he, just, and this was in a speech, he's a prepared remarks. He says the first amendment is a check on state power, does not apply to private companies like Facebook and Twitter. While content moderation can limit the distribution of clearly dangerous content, it doesn't go far enough. Just openly saying we need to censor more. So just know that this is what is in this is what is in the hearts and minds of the institutional left. This is what is in the hearts and minds of mainstream Democrats right now. They're not liberals. This is not a liberal idea. This is an illiberal idea. This is an authoritarian idea. He says our brains aren't accustomed to taking in this much information this fast. And a lot of us are experiencing overload. Obama warned that dangerous people were using social media to distract the public as well. And are you ready for this? Here it comes. People like Putin and Steve Bannon, for that matter, understand it's not necessary for people to believe disinformation in order to weaken Democrat institutions. You just have to flood the public square with enough raw sewage. I think it's a Breitbart shout out because I don't think Steve is really on social media. He's not on Twitter. I've never seen his stuff on Facebook, I, I, I will I will bet you a million dollars Steve's not on Instagram. I don't think Steve has ever really had a major social media presence. The last I think this is Obama being obsessed with 2016 when Steve was executive chairman of Breitbart and we used Facebook. We dominated Facebook and no doubt that was part of the reason why Trump won. There's just no doubt about it. But so Steve is like Putin and I guess gets credit for all of the bad stuff on Twitter and I'm sorry and Twitter and Facebook neither which he uses maybe his war rooms on Facebook I don't know I'm not really on Facebook much I don't think it is though because I look at the numbers and it doesn't pop up as like a viral thing so that is uh Obama being obsessed with a uh Obama's is is obsessed with Putin and Bannon because I guess he sees Putin and Breitbart probably as a reason why you know his legacy got upended by Trump and Trump got to erase any of his policies because I do think Hillary probably would have beaten the other Republicans in that race. So and Trump won and then now we're here. I can't resist mentioning that the the two people pled guilty and were going to jail for a couple of years from the We build the wall endeavor. I will throw that out there because I got a lot of you guys wanted me to cover the We build the wall more than we did and we covered it a bit at Breitbart, but I was always very cautious to go too far on it because there's something a little bit off about it I even went down and saw some of the work they were doing at one point and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit but I didn't want to get out there and be a big bummer to everyone um, and a couple of people who are connected to it uh, are going to jail for a few years one of them Brian Colfodge, was actually on the show once I think in the early stages of it so I'm just throwing that out there not to gloat at all but I'm just saying that sometimes for all of you who would like for me to advance an opinion that you agree with all the time, it's okay if I don't, because every once in a while, um, I I, I, tr- I try to provide the best information I can, not the information that is the most happy. So I I thought there's something up. I didn't think that there was a they had a real coherent plan going, and they're raising so much money. And I did think overall that we build the wall stuff was kind of undermining a President Trump anyway, who was trying to get the wall built. He wasn't doing a good job of getting it built at that point. Uh, he, though, Trump did a, made a lot of progress in the final year of his presidency. But he was kind of slow to be able to get the wall going. And I just thought that people privately building a wall kind of made it look like Trump couldn't, couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's just an interesting lesson. There a lot of interesting lessons in that. So a lot of also interesting inviting, that I think, is probably going to take place behind the scenes as some audio leaked from a a book from a couple of New York Times reporters they got their hands on showing that uh, Kevin McCarthy telling Liz Cheney that he will recommend Trump resign after January the 6th. January the 6th it was a lot of rawness going on on the Republican side as you can imagine after that. Uh, McCarthy said a lot of great stuff since then and he's been pretty proactive about working with us at Breitbart but I I got a feeling there's going to be an uncomfortable meeting over at Mar-a-Lago coming up. Just a guess. In guys like mccarthy who come from the establishment who again talk a pretty good game and have for a while at this point the base is very cautious is very conscientious of this stuff the base is not going to be overly forgiving i think of establishmentarian types who are seen as disloyal to the maga cause i'm not saying that as a i'm just saying as a simple statement of fact i'm not judging that statement But I do think you can't be going around talking about impeaching Trump and have the base uh, forget very easily. So but it's interesting at the moment because it doesn't seem like there's anyone else who's vying for the Republican speakership at this time. So uh, I'll I'll be curious to see that narrative goes anywhere. One more. And I guess this is my new tradition is ending the opening of the show with an Elon Musk update. So Elon Musk is exploring a tender offer for Twitter and believe it or not. This, if you want to read about the offer, Alan bacari has got a great uh, uh, update on it. This is the first time that I feel like he's not totally full of uh, BS. The offer itself looks at least re- re- remotely serious because he's outlined exactly where he's going to get the money to buy Twitter if he does buy it. Um, and it, as I said on the show right away, he easily could raise the money. It was not going to be a big deal. And uh, another thing is that the he's basically using his personal stock in Tesla to get the uh, banks to back him. So he's sort of personally guaranteeing it with Tesla stock, which is the strategy that John Carney thought he would take and does send a serious message. And also, I didn't catch any pot jokes in the offer. So the offer went up a little bit. Not enough, I think, to get the job done because it's still significantly under weird uh, Twitter. Uh, traded at within the last 12 months. So it's still far below that. But he's kind of bumped it up slightly above the $42 billion pot reference. So I think now we're in the sort of $46 billion range. So we might be closing in on something that could be something really for consideration. I will be on Dr. Gorka's show on Sunday on Newsmax, and we talk about this stuff. And I basically give him my take, which we talked about on radio yesterday with him, that it'd be great if Musk does buy Twitter, but he just does not have the background of a free speech guy at this time. Works closely with CCP and has for a long time, um, has the, actually requested censorship uh, from the CCP. He's made people sign non-disclosure agreements to test a new iterations of his Teslas. He's blocked journalists from checking out his Gigafactory in New York. So he's new to the cause if he's a pro free speech guy. But if he's new to the cause, welcome. And uh, I I will say that I think his offer went from goofball to, I will say, semi-serious. I won't say totally serious. I still think it's most likely he's not going to pull it off. But I think that now we've got something semi-serious on the table, and we write it up at Breitbart News. So um, uh, that's, I suppose, some light good news, particularly for you Musk fangirls out there. as i've noted and this will continue i've been trying to keep an eye on who are those popular people online who engage with our content on the social web and try to reach out to them make friends and today Tito Ortiz joins us who those of you who follow mixed martial arts at all uh, Tito is you know maybe someone who is one of the founding fathers in a way of it because he was one of the most popular figures in the early stages of the UFC long before the UFC is what it is now and I think he's been a great ambassador for the sport has lived a super interesting life we don't get into all of it today but we certainly touch on his sort of new life now as a online activist on behalf of pretty much trumpian ideas cool stuff uh you'd love to see this type of stuff emerge and here he is tito ortiz tito thank you for uh doing this
1: awesome thank you Alex, for having me on the show i appreciate it
0: so tito i've been keeping an eye on your instagram and i really do want to ask you about your career and about the ufc and this amazing moment that you've been a part of but uh it, when did it click for you that you're going to be sort of an outspoken right winger online
1: um, I, you know what, I'm not even a right winger. <laughs> when I am an American, I care about my children's future and my children's friends' future and just the freedoms we have in this country. And, um, people say right wing, left wing, you know, you're on the right, you're on the left. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm strictly down the middle. I'm care of the man who's fighting for my children, you know, um, for their future, for school. We're moving from Huntington Beach, California to Florida because of how great a job is to Jack's doing there as governor. Um, you know, really protecting our children. And I think that's very, very important. And uh, when I started doing on social media, I think it was uh, 2020 when I ran for city council here in Huntington Beach, and I had the most votes in Huntington Beach history. I was a uh, mayor pro-tem, but uh, the Democrats there ran me out. You know, it was either I stood and fought and had left the left or exit out and uh, fight behind the shadows even better. Um, and it, It's easier because... CNN and all the mainstream media are attacking me every single week, you know, putting my children on the news because they don't want to wear a mask. You know, my my children have been uh, homeschooled now for the last two years. But uh, I got to understand what this government is really happening. And I just kind of wake up from this bad nightmare of all this corruption that's going on, you know, the border being wide open. uh, Sure. And I I know that firsthandly. I have a bunch of friends who work on the border, who are Border Patrol, Sheriff Mark Lamb in Arizona. Um, the things that they go through is just crazy. The children that are being sold off is crazy. Um, how the cartel is just dealing with things is just crazy. And our government has allowed it to happen. I mean, this Biden regime of what they're doing is just, it's disgusting. This is not what this country is about. And the reason I say that is because I traveled the world. You know, I've done to, every, I've been to other continents, uh, other countries. And, I've seen how they run their country, and I come back here, and I've always been thankful to come back to America and say, God damn, Mom, nice to be home. Now it's like I come back home. And it's like I, I want to stay where I was, like in Switzerland or, you know, things I places I've been to, and it's scary. But I couldn't realize I got to sit down, and I could put my, dug, dug my boots in the ground and, and fight for my children's future, fight for my rights. And I come to realize here in the beginning of 2022, the only thing I can control is what's in my circle. And I'll leave this to our great congressmen um, that have been fighting really, really hard, you know, uh, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, And these guys have done an amazing job. I'm very, very thankful. I'm hot for it. I mean, as another man has done an amazing job. These guys have said they're, they're battling. Um, this midterm is super important, and America needs to understand that. If uh, we don't take over the house in this uh, midterm, I don't know, do we lose our country? Because I don't think this country can survive another two and a half years. under the Biden regime.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel that way someday. So if you're going to move to Florida, so does that mean you're going to be the Palm Beach bad boy or the Boca Raton bad boy, or is it always going to be the Huntington Beach bad boy? The Fort
1: Meyer bad boy? (laughs) No, I'm just going to continue business and uh, raising my children, man. You know, my boys are uh, twins. 13 year olds uh my oldest son jacob who's 19 he's at arizona state university a you know, full ride for uh, wrestling a full ride scholarship so he he said you know he's a very conservative kid loves his country uh i just got two other boys that i'm building the same way and they they get it too you know they have their zoom classes on school and they have to ask if they could stand for the pledge of allegiance and they're the leaders of it and i tell them that's how you become leaders is i
0: love it ask uh, and if you guys want to support Tito, he's got some great products uh, at punishment dot com, punishment athletic enterprises. If you want to check that out, he's also, as I noted, huge on
1: social media. You guys go on Instagram as Tito Ortiz nineteen ninety nine one nine nine nine. There's another one that's Tito Ortiz nineteen ninety nine nine. That's not me. Um, <laughs> I'm the one with the blue check mark. And we are going to click on the same. To follow me, it asks, uh, "Are you sure you want to follow this person?" Because he has misinformation on his site. Wow, which is wrong. Everything I've had has been complete. uh, Well, we call them spoiler alerts now. They're no longer conspiracy theories; they're spoiler alerts because everything's just coming true.
0: That's an interesting way of putting it. And you do get a lot of notoriety for standing up against the mask mandates, which, again, Tito, we were talking on this show at the very beginning of the pandemic, the masks were not going to do much. Uh, it turned out we were correct. And it, we'd be very careful minding the way we frame stuff because people just went absolutely nuts. Uh, the mask mandates are off uh, as we're having this conversation. Are you feeling good about it? Or is it sort of bittersweet that it took two years for people to come to their senses? Uh, I-
1: I love it. I, I've never worn a mask. I mean, I wear a mask when I get to the airport and I uh, walk through security, I put it on. As I walk out of security, I take it off. As I walk into my gate, I don't have it on. When I get on a flight, the lady asks me, can you put your mask on to get on the flight? I'll do that. Um, I wear a hat. I'll bring it down underneath my nose, put my hat down a little lower, and I'll be able to breathe fine. My children never have, have, have worn it. Um, it's complete psyop, and you can see people now wear the mask. I mean, I was on a flight to Tennessee when the mask, my mandate, got got lifted. And the stewardess was like almost crying. was so happy that we're able to take the mask off. Wow. Um, When it first started, like I say, I I complied for the first three weeks, four weeks. And I started doing my research. I'm like, I got to figure out what is going on. And come to find out that uh, in 1912, when the Spanish flu came about, there was over 1.3 million people that died from uh, pneumonia from having these masks on and being so dirty. And I started realizing I'm all, okay, you're taking a mask off to go sit on a restaurant. You walk in with the mask on. You sit down. You take the mask off. You put on the table. Well, right. in doctors' offices and the hospitals, they go from room to room and they put a brand new mask on every single room. It just didn't make sense. And it come to realize, it's a big psyop. They're just trying to see how much they can get away with uh, controlling people. And it's a shame, in America. I mean, there's a lot of us that stood, stood up, and tried to do what they possibly could to not wear a mask and. I was one of the ones aware. I mean, myself, uh, David um, Harris Jr. is another one. I mean, we were guys that were speaking out against it, and we were shadow banned because of that on social media, on Twitter, right, on these correct. things that th- they would uh, erase things that we were saying the truth. I mean, when the sickness did come about of hydrocorquin. <laughs> this pill was used, I mean, it was a study in a Chinese doctor in 1984 before the first flu um, vaccine came about, um, was to kill the flu. It was to kill the common flu was hydroxychloroquine. Now, the more I look into it and I find out that it's true, I'm like, wow. So, whenever I do travel and I do feel a little cold or something going on, I just take hydro- hydroxychloroquine and I'm fine. An hour later, I'm, I feel 100% better and I come to realize that it's to kill malaria, it's uh, for um, arthritis. I mean, there's so many um, things that it actually can help, but it's crazy how people are being blocked from telling the truth. These doctors that I've been doing their well, whole Well, you couldn't even talk
0: stuff. about it in, in, in that case i mean it wasn't even if you brought it up then it was a it, it doesn't matter what you say i mean it was immediately shut down or censored or blocked the algorithm was pushing back on it I see you know, i gotta ask you light heavy light heavyweight champion of the world were people asking you a lot to to put the mask on because I, i'd be a little intimidated would you feel like you might have gotten away with a little bit extra because of that or were people excited to tell the big guy uh, to mask up
1: i've always been super polite i've always uh no one's ever really said anything to me. They, they said something to me, and then I have my headphones on and listen to music, and I just walk by, and, you know, there's been a few times people say, excuse me, you wear a mask on. I go, you know, I'm, I'm okay, and I just keep walking. Keep walking. <laughs> I don't make a big deal about it. don't make a big that's deal right. about don't it. they don't make a big don't deal. Any problems. And then my wife's done the same thing, too, going uh-huh. to, going to uh, the markets and so forth. And Someone said, she's, no, I'm okay, I'm fine, thank you. And I just walk, and that's the best way to do it. I mean, if you want to make a fight with somebody, the best thing is to... Come back at them with aggression, and I've always known that. I mean, of course, taking psychology in college, I've learned that if you get def- to defuse a situation right off the bat, the best thing to do is kill them with kindness.
0: You know, uh, I, th- you're very prominent on uh, our Instagram page. We appreciate We know you, you check in there, which is cool. And your Instagram at Tito Ortiz 1999 is really great. A lot of political jokes in there, which I like. But I want to ask you about what issues draw you in to the fold here in terms of the national conversation. And I like the way you framed it. That you don't think of yourself as a right winger. You just think of yourself as trying to find the best things for your kids. Uh, th- that's really how I think of it every day. It just turns out that I, I look at the l- ledger on my view is kind of aligned with the right for the most part. But you're thinking about your boys. You're raising young boys. I have young boys. What issues make you most concerned about their future that we need to be involved in today?
1: That I'm, I'm, I'm making men. I'm not making children. I'm not making my child that can um, choose his gender. That is wrong. But it comes to that you know, at the end of the day once a, a person is old enough to make his own decisions after the age of 18, that's their choice. Anything prior to that that they've been involved in Either there was some kind of damage with their family, from a family member, something that was pushed into their mind and thinking that it was normal, normalcy type of thing that happens. At at the end of the day, for me, is faith, freedom, and my family. That's what I care about. And the things that they're trying to teach you, the critical race theory, my children didn't even know what a black kid was until they are in fifth grade. They said, oh, I met this new brown kid. He's a cool kid. Cool, cool "Cool, what's his name? So Tyrone, you got to meet him. I was like, ha I pat myself on the back because, once again, we don't judge a person by their color. We judge a person by their character, plain and simple. And it's always been like that. I've always grown up like that. I mean, when I was on city council, every week they were calling me a skinhead white supremacist. I'm like, guys, you understand that I'm Mexican, I'm French, I'm Irish. I'm uh, African-American. I'm Portuguese. I mean, I'm mean, i a mutt. For you guys to say that is wrong. And it was because I voted for Trump. It was because I worked yeah, for Trump. And I didn't right. know, know what type of but, person Trump is. That, that, that's the definition a
0: of a racist there. now, it's just if you voted for Trump.
1: Yes. And like once again, that like critical race theory stuff is I can't have my child living right. on that stuff. No. The, once, you st- once you stop talking about it is when it goes away. People continue to talk about it, continue this conveyor belt over and over, just hate speech after hate speech of this person deserves this. But no, work for it. Because I was a kid who had nothing. My mom and dad were heroin addicts. My mother got sober, took me away when I was wow. 13. I had an opportunity to become someone great because I believed in hard work and dedication and chasing this American dream. This American dream is alive. When Obama said the American dream was no longer alive, he lied. And when is the line drawn? Where our government steps up and cares about the American people and stop caring about the rest of the world. That's my question is when does that happen? When are the American people, what about lot of our uh, veterans that come home? And well, there's over 50,000 veterans that are homeless right now. I mean, I, I do so much charity work with uh, Real Warriors Foundation out of uh, here in California, Florida. To bring veterans out fishing, you know, to help them get sober, to stop drinking, to to think they have a second chance at life because they went to war for us, they came back home, and all of a sudden everything in uh, Afghanistan's gone. Uh, I mean, I have like four or five friends of their brothers that end up killing themselves after this Afghanistan stuff went through, and I just like, listen, man, you guys can use someone to call. Please just call me. and they do a lot of my brothers they all reach out i mean i never served myself i've always been a civilian but i've been to iraq six times from 2005 to 2011 i've always been there visit almost every uh base in the united states uh in japan god i i've been to so many through my career but once again it was giving back to our veterans and i'm gonna continue to do it and this midterm is super super important for america i believe and uh Hopefully uh, the Democrats on the left keep shooting themselves in the foot and the truth keeps being exposed. You know, at the end of the day, the truth will set us free. And I just I I hope that we got to fight for it.
0: Yeah, they are. Certainly shooting themselves in the foot. Seems like on a daily basis these days. Uh, Again, Tito Ortiz is my guest, UFC Hall of Famer, former light heavyweight world champion at Tito Ortiz 1999 on Instagram, but he's also on Twitter. He's got Punishment.com for his athletics enterprises. Uh, Tito, you were you debuted in UFC 13. I mean, we got to be hundreds of UFCs in. Uh, did you have any idea what it was going to turn into back then? Uh, did you know, did you see the vision for it? Because it just it's pretty stunning that it's pretty much the biggest sport in the world now.
1: Yeah, I knew it was going to be. I mean, I fought UFC 13 May 30th, 1997. I fought for free. I was on a scholarship wow. at time for wrestling. And so I did it because I wanted to see how good I could be. And uh, a year and a half later, I became the world champion. I understood it was going to get huge, but I remember telling the Fertitas, the owners of, the, of UFC, who ended up selling it for $4.5 billion. That's the B billion, um, that they had to educate the public on what we were really doing, what the sure. takedowns were, what the submissions were, and that's when they came out with uh, The Ultimate Fighter. I did Ultimate, Ultimate right. Fighter Season 3, um, got one of the highest ratings of 4.5 uh-huh. million viewers in one night. You know, we, we did some really big numbers, and then did again in uh, 2011, and I was one of the best coaches on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, they did a, a rating of it of, you know, who were the best coaches, and I was number one. I was very thankful, but... Once again, I've come in from a coaching background. I mean, that's what I went to school for. I didn't realize I was going to be a fighter until I was junior in college, and I took a chance. I got injured um, for one of my friends, Jay Carman, who wrestled at Arizona State University. Um, I had an interior compression syndrome on my leg, and I almost lost my foot. But uh, luckily, I went to the hospital. I put on medication. Um, I stayed in bed for a, a month, and then uh, come to realize that the coach didn't care about me, never called me once, so I packed my stuff up. I left, I got a job uh, here in Huntington, and then I started training, and I fought, and God, almost a year later became the world champion. I was very fortunate, but I knew this, this sport was going to be this big. It was just you had to educate the public on what this sport is truly about.
0: Uh, there's so much to it and that's what's interesting about it and then a lot of people in prior generations grew up on they maybe they were wrestlers or they were boxers or they did jujitsu you used to do all of it and you were pretty much a mixed martial arts native i mean i think now a lot of kids grow up learning all the various disciplines uh, how much more challenging is it to know a lot of disciplines to be able to grapple to be able to uh to to be able to fight stand up uh, the, all the different elements of it
1: well, I think it's just like uh, I mean, the comparison like boxing compared to MMA. I try to compare uh, checkers to chess, and chess being MMA. You, I mean, you could win yeah. the matches in so many different you know, so many different ways, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of uh, you know just dedication. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you're gonna do. Oh, I'm gonna go train three days a week. No, exactly. so it's six days a week, eight hours a day of grinding for you know three months, four times a year. I mean, it, it's it, it's a grind and it's hard. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years, but still it it, it, it makes me, uh, keep me on my toes, keeps me in good shape, uh, be able to show other people the stuff that I've gone through, you know, with the ground and pound, um, the takedowns, striking that I've learned over the last five, six years, maybe a lot better. But once again, for my children, they're in jujitsu and wrestling. I mean, I, I didn't get into it until I was a freshman in high school and they've been doing it now since they've been five years old. It's the hard work pays off. And I'm trying to teach my children that. And, uh, they're getting
0: it do you think it's probably tougher now because so many people grew up watching it and it's been such it's such the sport is so mainstream now versus when you were coming up or was it harder when you were coming up because there was more unknown there's probably less uh, training and and nutrition knowledge that there is now and uh, how to uh, schedule your life and how to run your day so what do you think is harder
1: um, I think the hardest is uh, making sure they get the right training in for the right people and being well-rounded in all verses of jiu-jitsu, wrestling, uh, boxing, kickboxing, of um, course, cardio, um, the right things to eat. Your nutrition is very big. I mean, this is something that I've learned through wrestling when I was in uh, college. So, I mean, my physical education was my major, so I was able to understand those things when I got into fighting of, you know, don't eat fried foods, no sodas, no candy, no ice cream, none of the stuff that people – kind of take it for granted every day of fast food of going through a mcdonald's or a taco bell that stuff i didn't have I, I couldn't have because i had to sacrifice everything to get what i wanted and that was a world title
0: so take me through a day in the life when you're coming up to a fight i'm not talking about two three days before when it's like right on top of you i'm talking about four weeks before you know you're at the top of the card uh coming up here you got a big fight against a rival and you got to be in the zone it, it describe to me what you're thinking throughout the day how you're structuring your day
1: um, well, I mean, a good thing that I've actually learned through my career, um, I get up by about 1130, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I go on my, uh, 15 mile bike ride and, uh, right in between the 15 mile, I have, uh, 30 flights of stairs that I run 35 stairs. That I do 15 wow. miles back, um, have a little small meal, go back to the gym. Uh, we do bag work, mitt work, uh, a lot of footwork stuff uh, for boxing. Um, kicking bags, you know, elbow and so forth. Uh, just repetition just stuff over and over and over and over. Come back, have another small meal, go back. We do wrestling jujitsu. Uh, we do takedowns with submissions, come back home, go back to the gym about 10 o'clock at night and do oh my, my weight training, which is uh, high reps, anywhere from 30 to 20 reps, five sets and get done by midnight, come back home, um, have a small meal, uh, go to bed and wake up the next day and do it again. I probably get about 11 hours of sleep a day but I'm doing this six days a week.
0: Unbelievable. So give me a piece of advice, because we know there's people in the audience who are either young fighters or have kids who are young fighters. Give me something advice that Tito now in 2022 would have given to 1997 Tito.
1: Business-wise, make sure everything's in black and white. Make make sure everything's in contracts. <laughs> and when you sign it, <laughs> make sure you know you're, you're signing your time away at that time. and You're not going to be able to negotiate until the, the next time you negotiate a contract. Uh, always ask for the world, because the worst could happen. You manage your own home. (laughs) That's always been the thing is the business side of it. The business side has been very, very important to me. I mean, I, I ran my career for gosh, for 15 years by myself. I just had an attorney deal with with me and we'd hash the numbers out. And I think that's the best, but um, physically and fighter wise, I'd say always have an open mind and always willing to learn from other people. And maybe a person can tell you exactly the same move, but, you get it different from the person who shows you the first time. It's just having an open mind, being being very, not trustworthy, because there's a lot of takers out here, but I think more than just uh, understanding what different moves are and how much more you can learn. And, and the brain is so powerful. You can learn so much. And people say when you're sore and you're aching and you're, your body hurts that you can't do it, uh, but learning. You can get up and you can do it because once you get warmed up, nothing beats Such hard work. Crowd.
0: Is what do you think about the culture of the UFC? It seems like there's a lot of people who are into mixed martial arts who do share our sort of mutual politics, and maybe they don't even—they're not even aware of why. But is that true? Is it a true observation? Or and and if it is, why do you think it is?
1: One hundred percent. There's so many fighters that love what uh, the conservative side and the views have. Almost all the fighters I know, I mean, they believe in God, and they love God, love Jesus, and they came from nothing, and they have the world in their hands, and they understand that they don't want to lose it. You know, um, I I think when guys have hard times in their life, they become stronger men mentally, physically, emotionally, and in this country of America, there's nothing like it in the world, and I think that's why so many do fight back. I mean, I just came back from them uh, waiting for Wishes events, and there's a bunch of celebrities there, and... Every single one of them came to me and says, Tito, thank you very much. Do what you've been doing, the way you've been speaking. The way wow. you've been saying. I say, I don't tell lies. I'm not going to lie about something or I can say that, oh, th- this is because it said, no, I do my homework. I do my research. Whatever I post, I post the truth. Nothing but the truth. So, oh, my God. Super important because I got to look in the mirror myself and be have my integrity of myself. Because at the end of the day, I have two things. I have my name. I have my word. And that's it. Um, and It's important. But I, I, when I was at meeting, waiting for wishes, just this last week in Nashville, so many uh, celebrities came to me going, "Tito, man, thank you. Keep it up. We can't say anything because so if we do, we get canceled." Well, I think all these celebrities that do believe this way, I think we all need to come together and fight as one instead of fighting alone. Because when you fight alone, is that how, that's how you do? You get canceled. But if we all stepped up and we all came together and we all fight for this glory thing that we call America, this beautiful stuff that we have that's called freedom, we, can, we we can't lose it freedom we should be able to fight for it and right now is the time to fight for it
0: tito ortiz at tito ortiz 1999 on instagram don't get fooled by any of the imposters ufc hall of famer punishment.com for punishment athletics enterprises tito last one for today did you have a favorite person to fight or someone you feared the most that always jumped out at you if if, if he was going to be your opponent
1: uh, favorite person to fight had been ken Shamrock for sure he At the time, he was one of the greatest. They called him the world's most dangerous man. But I put it to him three fights. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good fights. I, I can look back at my career. and I fought so many great fighters, and I had so many great fights. I'm just thankful to be doing what I'm doing right now and have my head on my shoulders, and everything's uh, been doing good, man. I'm very, very fortunate.
0: Well, good for you, and keep up the good work. And we're rooting you on in and out of the Octagon. Tito Ortiz, really appreciate it
1: awesome thank you guys all your listeners i appreciate it very much and uh god bless america let's uh continue this at least for me for our children it's very very important for our children and if you don't have a child believe me it is <laughs> do you do there's amen. no love like a child and uh i'm very very fortunate i just want to give them everything that i never had as a kid and you know it seems like we're losing our freedoms and uh our rights and we can't let this happen
0: amen to that tito ortiz thanks again my friend awesome thank you <laughs> Slightly self-serving call of the day today, but I couldn't resist doing it. Linda from Michigan called in at the end of the show, and she was referring to uh, Siggy Flicker, who's another guest on a live show that you can listen to in the SXM app, and we will release that interview as a part of a podcast probably next week. But she was a real housewife who's again turned into a sort of pro-MAGA, pro-America first person online, and it's really encouraging for normal people across the country to see some of these celebrities that have it all to step out and be brave and to be bold and to stand up for American values and against the woke left. And uh, to see people like Linda get motivated by it and to start making changes in their own life, get more involved, is very heartening. It makes me feel really good. And let's hear from Linda in Michigan, our call of the day.
2: I didn't... Uh plan on talking to you on the phone um but i've been very encouraged by you this past week and i really really tell you the truth i just want to thank you and your guest uh, i have to confess i did not know of Siggy flicker i'm 72 years old i'm pretty active i have eight grandkids and i have been heartbroken these past two years watching my beautiful country be decimated so um I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. Um, I joined the Michigan Conservative Coalition to try to be a poll watcher. I'm out of my comfort zone to do things like this, but um, for the sake of my beautiful children and my beautiful grandchildren, I'm encouraged. I'm inspired, and I want to thank you and Siggy both. I'm going to continue now, and um, I'm going to pick up where my dad left off. He's from the beaches of Normandy, and I'm really proud of him. But um, Alex, I just can't thank you enough. You've inspired so many of us, and I'm not going to stop now.
1: Linda,
0: that means so much to me And I know to everyone on the show And Bright Breitbart as well And I think you're doing exactly what you need to do You need to think about not your comfort zone But what you can do to give back And we all try to contribute in our own way And for some of us it's much more natural than others But we all have to do something Do a little bit more than just simply showing up to vote And if you can do that I think America is going to be a lot better And more secure place That's all for today. If you want to support the show, I highly recommend you just tell people about it. Easiest thing to do. Producers Haley and Greg Edmond do a terrific job, and you do a terrific job telling folks about Breitbart News. Can't thank you enough. And we'll talk to you next week.